Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Yes! Oh, yes! The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Offside Rule brought to you by Continental Tyres. Lots coming up for you today. There are just the two of us. There's myself, no Kate Borsay, no Lindsay Hooper. Definitely not an unlucky 13th episode because we have the very lucky Alison Bender here, of course. Welcome, Alison, to the podcast. Not the first time you've appeared as a guest. Great to be back. Um, yeah, it's been a while, but uh, but yeah, happy to be here again. So it is pretty much Manchester United up against Chelsea with me and you, I guess you could say. Yeah. So Alison, currently anchor on a Premier League TV, of course, a wealth of experience both in front and behind the camera. Both of us have very long careers. It makes me feel very old. Yours has spanned in television nearly 15 years. You've worked as a presenter and reporter, but mainly anchor on Chelsea TV, Real Madrid television before that, contributor as well to Fox Soccer, ESPN, ITV, TalkSport and NBC. So Offside Rule listeners, you better be listening very carefully because this girl knows her stuff. You should be my agent, Hayley. Yeah. That's uh, t- properly bigging me up. Thanks very much. <laughs> well, as you probably know out there, we have a Euro review show. We preview and review all the European football. That's brought to you by HTC. You can go and have a listen to previous podcasts to update you on what's coming up in the Champions League and remind you of where we're at. You can listen via Audio Boom and also via iTunes. And you can go to our YouTube television site as well the offside rule tv follow us on twitter at offside rule pod and go to our website the offside rule podcast.com so plenty to discuss today we're going to talk about the very end of this podcast what happened next because we know this is purely audio this isn't a visual what happened next but retired germany keeper tim vise who was capped six times by his national side has been making the headlines this this couple of weeks because he made his professional wrestling debut that's right he climbed into the ring at a wwe live show in frankfurt he took up bodybuilding after being released by the bundesliga side hoffenheim in January and decided to have a bit of a bizarre change of career. It's kind of weird, isn't it, Alison? It is weird. And, and it's weird. It's a shame that it's not visual because when you see the pictures of him, <laughs> you have to go and Google them, basically, don't yeah. you? Um, yeah. And it's not really a natural career progression, is it? But there are some weird, weird ones. When I was doing a bit of research, I've come across so many weird and wonderful things. But yeah, we'll be talking about that at the end of the show. So don't go anywhere. Yeah, we have lots of examples of footballers who have taken an unlikely career change post-football. There are definitely some surprises 
in there. What about surprises for the future with our second topic, ones to watch? The under-21s, my goodness, they have had a remarkable 2014. Heading into the European Under-21 Championships, the finals take place in the Czech Republic uh, next year in June. They're unbeaten So far in the last 11 games at recordings, it really is quite remarkable. So we're going to be selecting a couple of players to watch out for in the future. Uh, Maybe not so much stating the obvious, but players that we might see in a World Cup team in 2018 so in, in in less than four years time yeah and it's always really good isn't it being a bit of a scout I got a bit greedy actually with uh, with this so I was only supposed to pick two but then I found three or four and I couldn't decide which one so I'll just throw them all into the hat a bit later we also will have our Twitter topic of the week coming up courtesy of Sean Thorne but let's start by bringing you a quick reminder because we've had this international break and been enjoying um, Scotland Republic of Ireland Northern Ireland uh, Wales and England of course playing football particularly Scotland for me, England for you, Alison. Uh, We're going to chat about the season so far in the Premier League. We're going to run through some of the fixtures up until the Christmas period. We're going to remind you key injury problems and just what about the fixtures coming up for Chelsea? We won't talk individually about each of these sides because we'll only bore you at home and tell you probably what you already know. But with you having an insight into Chelsea, of course, Alison, we want to know about whether you think they can keep it up. They take on West Brom, followed by Sunderland. Then they have Tottenham at home, Newcastle away. That could potentially be the trickiest one. I think that's, for me, going to be their their toughest. Then they face Hull. And over the Christmas and New Year period, Derby, Stoke, West Ham and Southampton, they enter the new year off the back of that Southampton game, which could be a real cracker. Definitely. The fixtures are really exciting, aren't they? Um, Chelsea, well, the big talking point at the moment really is whether they can go unbeaten. Can they be the new Invincibles? And, and it was certainly something we were talking um, on, a, on a show that I do for the Premier League a few weeks ago. And then actually somebody went and asked Jose Mourinho, what does he think? Because, of course, last season they were slipping up, weren't they, Haley? to a lot of the, the lower sort of uh, sides in the table. Um, famously Sunderland, of course, who broke their unbeaten record at Stamford Bridge. And it was uh, Fabio Barini, wasn't it, mm. who scored the goal to typical an ex-Chelsea player but Jose Mourinho has basically said it's just too difficult it's unpredictable and we're not going to go unbeaten but then Jose Mourinho loves to do things like that I mean the whole of last season he was talking about how Chelsea can't possibly win the league and it's all about this season but it certainly looks like he's been preparing for this season doesn't it I mean you only have to look at the the first game of the season in fact against Burnley Jose Mourinho had his starting 11 sorted and when you look at some stats about how many players um, different teams have used I, I was fascinated to see that Manchester United have started with 37 different players this season. When you look at Chelsea, I think it's 23. Um, so he really knows. And he's even been able to kind of throw in some youngsters um, as well, just to kind of prove, you know, I can do that as well. But, he know, you know, he, he, he knows the team and, and they are unstoppable, aren't they? They're looking so good. Do you think, though, Costa will be the leading goal scorer by the end of the season? We know he's already running away with things at the moment. Well, it's all about his injury, isn't it? I mean, he's got this hamstring problem and he's been playing through pain. He's been playing with a hamstring and still managing to score. Um, could it be one of these one of these terrible moments, defining moments for Chelsea where he picks up an injury that's really going to keep him out for a long time? But then that looked like a problem and then off pops Didier Drogba from the bench. <laughs> and I always thought that Loic Remy was going to be the number two to Costa, but actually judging by how... Didier Drogba's come on. I mean, when he was at Galatasaray, I think a few people said he's lost a yard of pace and he's really not the same player. But to be honest, he's got that fight in him. He's still the same player. And and I actually think 
Chelsea could be okay without Diego Costa. But I just love the fact that when you look at the team, there's just such great balance. Like the back four, or back five, if you include Courtois, just picks itself, really. You've got Matic and Cesc Fabregas in front of that, Holt doing such a great job holding. And basically, Mourinho only really kind of sort of toys with that um, sort of right wing position, um, sort of changing Scherler and, and putting in Willian every now and again. But other than that, it's such a solid team and, it, and it's just looking so good. And when you look at the ground that they could have on top of Southampton, when you look at the fixtures, because Southampton, when Chelsea play West Brom, Southampton play Villa, they then play City, followed by Arsenal followed by Manchester United. That is going to be a tough run for Southampton. Can they stay up there? I would like to see a different side um, staying in that top four, a different side qualifying for Champions League football. Manchester City, I think, will stay up there. I don't think West Ham will. I think for me, it's going to be Arsenal who will sneak up there. But they've needed Mesut Ozil to be performing better. It's a real shame. Disappointed in the manner of defeats. We, We know, obviously, Champions League hasn't been going great for them, losing to Borussia Dortmund. But they've actually only suffered two defeats and what has been a pretty tricky start when you look at the fixtures for Arsene Wenger they've had lots of injuries as well um, to key players Sanchez, Jack Wilshere, Cazorla um, Mesut Ozil as we know but Danny Welbeck's just a breath of fresh air and we've seen what he's doing for England and let's just hope he does, I, I love Danny Welbeck having followed him as one of my kids at Manchester United sad. Were you sad then that he left Manchester United? Do you feel that they should have held on to him? Definitely but I'm just pleased he's managing to get football and we heard from Wayne Rooney, head of the England-Scotland game, when he was asked about, you know, Danny Welbeck. And you'd have thought as the captain of Manchester United, he might say, oh, no, we should have kept him. And he said, I'm pleased he's gone because he's playing regular football. That's what he needed. I mean, I was at, uh, I was doing the, the dreaded transfer deadline day outside Arsenal. The fans were actually really, really good. But they were really upset because they wanted Falcao and they wanted uh, a big sort of marquee signing. And they were disappointed with Welbeck. And I remember saying to them at the time, look, I've looked at his statistics and he was always coming off the bench he was playing wide give him his opportunity up front and he'll be a very different player so let's focus on another London club and turn it round to West Ham as we've we've kind of mentioned there do you think they can sustain this high-flying start I say start where we're nearly December here when we talk about things but they've got Andy Carroll as well returning obviously perhaps for Sam going to have to change the way that West Ham play which is obviously always the headlines when you talk about West Ham, but uh, fitting Andy Carroll back into there is a really luxurious problem to have. Yeah, it certainly is. I actually felt a bit sorry for um, Sam Allardyce last season. I went to lots of his press conferences and everyone was bombarding him with questions about Andy Carroll. And it is just unfortunate sometimes when you have a start to a season where someone's injured and it's a really key part to your plans. And I remember he actually joked with me because I I asked him about playing with a false nine and he said, look, let's let's not be fancy here. I'm not playing with a false nine I don't have any strikers I'm doing the only thing I know how to do um, and so obviously with Diafra Sacco doing really well and as you say you know Andy Carroll fit again it, it's it's such a great thing for Allardyce What about Swansea? What about Manchester United? Will Manchester United finish above Swansea? Swansea are fifth at the moment United seventh not much between them uh, but Manchester United absolutely injury ravaged side yet again uh, Blind as we know at the moment facing up to six weeks out we believe David De Gea is having a problem as well these international players coming back from from playing international football 
And it's just not looking very good, is it, for them no. at the moment? Um, Swansea, they since their opening day win over Manchester United, have really have been riding the wave of optimism. Whether they can sustain that is, uh, remains to be seen. What do you think about uh, these and, and maybe where sort of the top six yeah. are at the moment? Well, first of all, about Manchester United, I think Louis van Gaal's been so unlucky, hasn't he, with all those injuries? Um, but he's also been good enough to come out and say, I've... I've tinkered too much. Uh, I've been changing formations and, and obviously they started with that back three and the players weren't really buying into it. Uh, but I think when you're at a club like Manchester United, as David Moyes found out, uh, there is no time to tinker around and, and they really need to, to, to start doing things quickly. As you said, they have uh, turned around a little bit more. And so you said you were surprised that they weren't in the bottom half at this stage of the season. But it's insane, isn't it, to be talking like that about a club like Manchester United. As for Swansea, I just want to talk about Gary Monk, really, because it's such an amazing story, Swansea. I remember um, in their League Cup win, going down there and and interviewing Gary Monk as a player, and never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined that he would be the manager so soon as well. And what I was impressed with is the way that he's actually turned things around at the training ground. Apparently, um, the players weren't particularly happy, we hear, with the way that Michael Laudrup was was treating them. We were talking about man management earlier. And he decided to sort of be a bit like a friend to the players because he knows them so well. But apparently, and I'm impressed with this, he's been incredibly firm. Things like um, harder training sessions, banning mobile phones in the eating area, making the players all come and eat together, sort of making this kind of bond between the players. And apparently he's been taking the players one-to-one and saying, listen, I know you're not featuring very much, but it's it's a, a long season and I am going to need you. And apparently he's keeping those players happy because I think a couple of the players have been speaking out. They've only had, say, uh, substitute appearances so far this season. And, and he's been saying to them, don't worry, you know, you can come back into the team, which is so important. Um, when they lost Michu as well, he went out on loan, didn't he? Well, he really wanted to go. Um, although there are there are reports that he could be coming back. He's not doing very well in Italy at all um, with uh, Rafa Benitez at Napoli. But when, when they lost him, I think a few people thought they might struggle. But I've just been so impressed with them. And, and the story of Swansea is brilliant there rise up through the football leagues as well yeah absolutely it is one of those kind of fairy tale stories will it have a fairy tale ending we don't know check out the european football section on our website offsiderulepodcast.com let's move on to our second topic ones to watch we may be mentioning names here, Alison, that people will have heard of, but we're going to add a little bit extra. We're going to give you perhaps a starting 11 for the World Cup. We're going to predict it when that happens in 2018. But next summer, big, big summer for the under-21s, um, European Championship finals taking place in the Czech Republic. 13 games, 12 wins, one draw in 14 months of Southgate being uh, in charge. Uh, Last brilliant wins, Portugal 3-1. They beat Croatia uh, before that. Um, Similar scoreline 2-1. They've uh, had back-to-back clean sheets, you could say, against Moldova and Lithuania. There was that 3-1 win over Wales in May. A really great performance. I'm going to... to tell you exactly who I think performed well in that one, who I think is going to be in the World Cup squad. There was 9-0 against San Marino. Poor little San Marino getting thrashed. Um, And there were clean sheets before that as well against Finland, Lithuania um, and San Marino again where they beat them 4-0. It really just has been a wonderful, wonderful time for the under-21s. Names that we're seeing regularly in the Premier League, Danny Ings, Will Hughes, Carl Jenkinson, uh, Berahino, Wilshire, Oxlade-Chamberlain, all all steady and um, really going for it 
in, in youth level, whether the, some of them will be able to play in the under-21 championships. Yes, some of them are actually still eligible. I think Brendan Rodgers might have a thing or two to say about the likes of Raheem Sterling, who mm. suffers from his tiredness, as to whether he should be playing in that tournament next summer. But I think the consistency of having these players playing together as a unit, yeah. growing up together, and then being pushed up through the system, um, like they did 15, 20 years yeah. ago, as opposed to the kind of higgledy-piggledy mess that we have a little bit at the moment. Yeah. I guess you could call it. Well, just, yeah, tournament football, it's just so important, isn't it? I mean, it, there was a bit of a talking point, wasn't there, when uh, when Luke Shaw um, dropped down from the, the senior squad into the under-21s and people were saying, you know, perhaps he should have been in the seniors. But then if you look at some of the fixtures, um, so it was Sam Marino was the, the senior and obviously England were going were, were gonna to win that game. Um, you'd hope anyway. Um <laughs> And the one, um, obviously, for the under-21s was a crucial qualifier. So I think, arguably, that was the more important game. It's funny, though, even the players talk about it as sort of dropping down or, or moving up. But but I think it's great to have a, a team of solid performers who play together, who have tournament experience together. And hopefully, you know, they'll all sort of grow into the senior squad and, and we could start seeing really good things for them for England, finally. I've kind of picked what I think might be a starting eleven in seasons to come so from a selection of players I've got Joe Hart he's still going to be my goalkeeper I think I've got Chambers who's definitely going to be in there Stones and Shaw and Smalling all the S's at the back I've got Henderson he's going to be one of my picks Barkley in there as well as Wilshire, Sterling Sturridge I feel a little bit guilty because yes we have a couple of Manchester United players like like poor Jones but I, I just haven't got Phil Jones in there I don't think he's cutting it for me mm-hmm. sorry about that Phil yeah, um, no, it sounds like a great starting eleven. I've taken a different approach. Rather than doing an entire eleven, I've got a couple of uh, names just to throw out there. You know, I'd love to say that they're under the radar, but they're not really. They're, they're, they are out there and they're performing at the highest level, which is why I think that they should be considered. So I've gone for two different things. I've got gone for um, a Chelsea player, uh, Lewis Baker, one of the players that's playing for under-20s that perhaps could move up. Um, but then for my other pick, I've gone for Charlie Austin, who's, of course, playing for QPR, hasn't had a call-up, but I think that perhaps maybe he deserves one. When you look at his statistics and you look at his numbers, um, six goals in 10 starts. And he's the highest scoring Englishman behind that man, Berahino, that we now know how to say. Um, obviously, club form breeds confidence and he's just got so much of that. Um, I was at the QPR against City game. It was funny because he scored three goals, didn't he? But um, a couple of them were disallowed. Um, and he, he was he was quite a funny lad because in the tunnel afterwards, he was saying how he was doing a chicken dance. He did it three times. And he said, I looked around me and none of my teammates were like supporting me. Can you imagine how foolish I felt? <laughs> so he did it the first time, then he did it the second time. And then by the third time, which the actual was the actual goal, he just thought, oh, am I going to do this celebration? But yeah, I mean, he should get a look in. Actually, Roy Hodgson was at Loftus Road watching him there. So he, he certainly, you know, he is on the radar. That, that's, that's for sure. Um, that's so... Uh, oh, little fact about him as well, that he used to play for Reading, um, but they got rid of him because he was too small, and he's now six foot two, by the uh-huh. way. So don't make your uh, judgments too early. And he's, and he's doing really well with uh, Bobby Zamora up front, and Zamora says that he acts like a bit of a battering ram for him at the moment, so he can go and work his magic. Um, so Lewis Baker, I have to do this, Hayley, because I am a Chelsea fan. I've been watching this boy for a very, very long time. He's been at the club, um, I've written it down, I think it was since he was, yeah, age 10. I knew he'd been a long time. Um, he's got an amazing party trick where he can do endless keepy uppies apparently he can do over 600 
I'm lucky if I can do two. Um, so, yeah, obviously that shows great ball control. But, I, you know, I know Roy Hudson's going to be a bit more interested in, in talent rather than a few keepy-uppies. But he, he's so versatile. He's a great penalty taker um, and a set-piece specialist as well. Um, and he's got great captaincy as well. He's been captaining the under-20s. Um, so he's one for the future. I, I can't say, I can't call it whether he'll be in a World Cup or a Euro squad by any particular date. But he's doing really well. And most importantly for me, Jose Mourinho, who has much more knowledge than I have, has said that he would be very surprised if he wasn't starring for England in the future. So uh, I, I agree with Jose. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with Chris Hewton, another manager I respect. He might not be Jose Mourinho, but he's brilliant. He's one of my favourites. Uh, a man who made sure that Nathan Redmond played for Norwich. He is my pick for ones to watch. He got man of the match when he created all three goals for a game against Portugal. He actually scored a hat-trick in a 3-1 win against Wales in May. Males in way. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Um, Gareth Southgate said there's a real togetherness between the squad at the moment. And he, he highlights Redmond sometimes. Very careful not to highlight too many of them and have a standout player. He's pacey, absolutely lightning quick. Could have signed for Stoke or West Ham in the summer but he decided to stay in the championship and he said it's toughened him up he's a wide midfielder right-footed play he plays on both wings as well he's so versatile also plays in the center behind a lone striker he started out in the under 16s and has come all the way through the ranks currently obviously under 21s he'll be a really good player for the um, midfield of the under 21s next season and we so lack in these creative midfield players and he's, he's he's exciting he really is that's what Peter Taylor said about him as well he said he's a very clever winger definitely there's another one that I want to put out there just because I love saying his name so much and that's Chuba Akpom if you're uh, an Arsenal fan you'll know all about him he's been doing really well and I actually watched uh, an under 21 games uh, under 21s game is what I'm trying to say um, up at Villa Park and um, it was quite sad actually because I did expect there to be perhaps a thousand people watching there was only about a hundred to be honest I know Arsenal against Villa two teams that have prided themselves in, in times gone by of you know recruiting bringing up youngsters doing really well um anyway Tuba Apcon um scored in that game he's scoring for fun um and, and he's a confident individual. You'll be hearing a lot about this guy, and, and I'm sure you already have done, but he's one to watch as well. OK, so those are our ones to watch. We've had a quick reminder of what's happening in the Premier League. Let's head now to our Twitter topic of the week and find out what Sean has in store for us this week. Twitter topic of the week. For this week's Twitter topic of the week, we've been asking you to have a little think about who you reckon in the footballing world would make the best and worst stand-up comedians. Now, Darius, or Darius, I don't know how you're doing it, if you're a Darius off of Darius Vassell or a Darius, as in off of Pop Idol. Uh, but he's gone for Michael Owen after his uh, commentary and his tweets about not liking films. Darius says that if he was a colour, he would be beige. Uh, Ryan has gone for, oh, I see what Ryan's done here, he's gone for your eye jokey-eth. You know, as in your eye Jorkiev, yeah, perhaps stand-up future uh, is in your stars, Ryan, I reckon. Uh, Chris Dixon, he's gone for David Louise, although he's a bit of a sideshow. little uh, link to the uh, Simpsons character, Sideshow Bob there. And uh, Sachin, he has gone for, he reckons the best stand-up would be Roy Keane and the worst would be Malky Mackay. Uh, cheers to everyone who got in touch for Twitter Topic of the Week this week. Uh, I've been Sean Thorne, and I will hand you back to Hayley and Alison. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sean. So finally, what happened next? My goodness. Tim Weiss, as we mentioned, capped six times by Germany. 
uh, played for Bundesliga side Hoffenheim, decided to leave, have a change of career, and instead of entertaining the world with his football skills, he's literally in the world of entertainment in terms of wrestling. He recently appeared in a live show in Frankfurt and he it wasn't just a one-off. He is an official bodybuilder now, having been released. A real unlikely career change for him. But there have been other footballers whose careers have taken a real twist and they've gone into something completely random. I've seen a couple of articles in the last couple of weeks because obviously this has kind of spurned on this topic. The Daily Mail always have some 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 really quite interesting pieces where I steal my information from. But I've tried not to go on the internet and pick the obvious and go for some of the slightly obscure. Did you know that Andrei Shevchenko, politician? I, I saw Shevchenko on BT Sport the other day and, and it, was, um, it was hilarious. He has this party trick where he can actually um, sort of go up and have a chat to someone. He puts his arm around their shoulder and he, and he slips their wallet out, out from their pocket. Yeah, it's hilarious. So, and a politician as well. That man has got many tricks. Yeah, I know. That's so, a good one. I like mm, it. So, so, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> he actually secured in his political career just 1.58% of the votes, so less than 2% of the votes. Oh, so he wasn't actually elected. Yeah, this was in the 2012 parliamentary elections for the Ukraine. So there you go. Unfortunate. Yeah. Speaking of wrestling, Hayley, um, the 66 uh, World Cup winner, Ray Wilson, uh, went on to become an undertaker, Ooh. which is a bit of a strange yeah. strange one, isn't it? Not quite the undertaker in wrestling, but an actual undertaker. Exactly. Who would ever want to pick that? I suppose you'd, always, you'd have a job for life. Well, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, I what it's mean. a bit weird, dodgy joke in there somewhere. <laughs> the former Chelsea goalkeeper, Peter Bonetti, known as the cat, a postman. There's really strange. There were a lot of postmen. There were. There were. I, I came across lots yeah. of postmen. Do you know though? Like, okay, so I, it's quite sad. Like, we can have a bit of a giggle about this, but what I did come across were, were a few stats that kind of made me realise. Like, you have to be so careful when you're a footballer because the average football career only spans eight years, basically. And they say that the average footballer in the Premier League now earns twenty-five to thirty-five thousand pounds a week, which obviously is a ridiculous amount of money. But if you think about their careers only going on for eight years, they've really got to be careful and they've got to do things the right way. So Robbie Fowler w- was a-, a great example, buying up loads of property, didn't he, around Liverpool and um, made really loads of, lots of money out of it. Frank Lampard's done the same with property. Rio Ferdinand's done some things with them. Um, he's got fashion labels, doesn't he? Um, but there are so many footballers that have actually gone bankrupt mm. and really big names like Brad Friedel. Really sad though, because he put all his money into a sort of a non profit um you know a kind of a, a soccer school um there's a few goalkeepers actually that have, have gone bankrupt but the one that i wanted to talk about um was not so much a funny job but it's just quite a funny story really this is a, a footballer who i got to um, know quite well because i was working as a reporter and a presenter for real madrid television and thomas gravison was working out there um so obviously he had a career with celtic and, and everton and then real madrid and he, he's a little bit of a quirky character danish and um a lot of the Danish press were quite harsh on him after his career finished and they basically said he was washed up. Um, Apparently he dated a porn star, so that led to the stories. Okay. And he thought, well, you know what? I'm going to teach you a lesson. And uh, and did did really, really well investing in various little businesses. Um, And apparently he's worth over £80 million now. He's moved to Vegas. He's shacked up with some young blonde lady he's happy he's gambling for fun and he's he said well you know what you say i'm washed up i'm having a great time thank you very much 
Talk about earning more money after their careers and in their careers. Jamie Pollock, who used to play for Middlesbrough mainly, uh, other clubs, of course, but um, he now has a company called Poulton Glass. He set it up with a friend and they do really well. A bit strange to go and be a glacier. Not like Manchester United. They don't have the well, amount of money that the Glazers. Yeah, I like you. So what? Like putting in windows? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much double glazing up houses and putting glass onto properties. Very. I don't know how he got into it. I shall look that up. But he's made an awful lot of money from this really successful business, having his career in football being cut short. Um, Jose Manuel Pinto. Former Barcelona keeper Pinto, yeah. yeah. Um, a musician. He, he does open mic nights and uploads these videos onto YouTube. He's really proud of them. Doesn't ever post anything to do with his football career when he was the long-term number two at Barcelona. Just his music videos. His name is Wahin, and he's now a, a music producer as well. And actually, he's a founder of a charity, which he set up to do with music. So not only has he still got stardom, he's giving back a little as well. Uh, Thomas Hassler, another German, who obviously the story has come about because of uh, Tim Weiss, um, he turned his skills to the turntables. Again, another musician. He set up a record label in 1996. And actually, again, giving back to charity. He didn't just do it for himself because he wanted to be this um, superstar DJ and earn tons of money. Um, proceeds for one of the record label's albums were given to the victims of September the 11th. Oh, well, there you go. It's good that some good comes out of it as well. And um, the, the former Newcastle player, Albert, apparently has got... Um, I was going to say a fruit and veg stall. That sounds really harsh. It's a fruit and veg company. So it actually could be massive. And just, but in my head, there he is selling, you know, three for a pound. (laughs) But obviously uh, it's not going to be a pound because he's over in Belgium. One more I just want to mention because players get stick for not being brainy. We know some of them have invested in things, but what about using their brains, which are not just in their big toes? Um, Jerry Britton, a former Celtic player, is now a lawyer, a really, really successful lawyer. So there's jokes in there about tormenting the defence. So there you have it. Bada boom. Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me on episode 13 of the podcast. Alison, have you enjoyed it? Pleasure. Yeah, it's been great fun. Um, Yeah, don't leave it so long next time. Well, next time you come and join the party, me, you, Kate, Lindsay, we'll have a baby to celebrate. Be friends with your little Jay as well, because we've got another boy on the way. So there we have it. Will you be listening to this, of course, via iTunes or Audioboom? But if you're not listening to one, you can listen on the other and download on there. You can also head to our YouTube channel, The Offside Rule TV. There's often little bits and pieces popped up there. Very often we tweet 24-7 throughout the year. I might even send out a few tweets on Christmas Day. That is how much we're dedicated to the Offside Rule Pod Twitter, at Offside Rule Pod. The website, of course, OffsideRulePodcast.com. There's features, uh, there's blogs as well. And the Facebook, the Offside Rule. Come and give us a little like and we'll be very happy. It makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. We have our Euro review show um, and a competition as well brought to you by HTC. So if you want to preview what's happening in the Champions League, you can download that. It's just 20 minutes of a really informative, amazing stats thrown at you, preparing you for the Champions League action. And we review the Champions League as well. So if you want a reminder in a couple of weeks of exactly what was happening in the last round of games in the group stages, you can just tune in and have a listen to that so thank you very much and goodbye for now check out exclusive football content daily on offsiderallpodcast.com sports social podcast network